listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have a show. Not sure if it's good. It definitely won't be bad. It might be interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it is... We're, we're going to be doing a, a catch-up episode. Because uh, we we missed last week due to some scheduling conflicts. Because I'm a bad person. And I have things that I have to do that aren't, uh, you know, related to um, to this. So... You know, fuck me, I guess. Um, that said, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take this week to to catch up on 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 what we did over the last two weeks. Um, meaning, I have horror movies to talk about, obviously, and uh, and then I'm sure that Austin has some anime and or manga to talk about. Dylan has nothing to talk about because he does nothing. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 hey. He's actually got something. This I time. have 30 seconds worth of a subject to talk about. Boom. <laughs> Dynamite. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, we're also going to be talking about, um, obviously, the um, stuff we've been playing and all of that I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two thespians, Dylan Patient Pantomime Martin and Austin Fastidious Facade Stevens. Why do you do this to me every week? I'm sorry. I thought that one was good. It, I feel like it's just a bunch of words thrown together. <laughs> Sometimes. Okay. Well... That's good, I guess. <laughs> Have you guys ever... Uh, well, okay. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Just fine. Good. Okay. Now, moving on. Uh, have yep. you guys ever seen this... This. <laughs> I, I think it's a TikTok of... <laughs> Of, uh, what, how does it describe? It's like Baby Gronk. Uh, hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to find it real quick. It's like Baby Gronk TikTok. Let me see. This <coughs> is <laughs> one of the most funny fucking things I've ever seen in my life. So, it's this guy, and he's talking about a, uh, he's talking about this kid named Baby Gronk. And how he's like a prodigy at playing football. And this LSU, um, this LSU gymnast stops dating her boyfriend and breaks up with him for this, this child prodigy. I... I don't know how to describe it. Like I'm doing a terrible way, like a terrible description of it, but it's one of the most insane things I've ever seen because it's like this, it's this little kid who looks like he's like seven and he's supposed to be dating this fucking like 20 year old, like college kid. And this guy is just like, 
detailing their lives. <laughs> and he's like, leave your comments below if you think that Baby Gronk and like Livy will get back together again or something. I don't know. It's so insane. It's so insane. Have you guys ever seen this? No. What I the have fuck? No recollection <laughs> of what you're talking. Where's about. it at? Um, hang on. I'm gonna send it. It's on TikTok. So oh, I, fa- I found no. it. Oh. You don't I, even I'm have s- to send it to me. It's gonna be on my for you page tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending it. I'm sending it in the Discord. Um, let's see. Uh, podcast private room. There it is. Okay. I just sent it to you guys so you can watch it from there. All right. That's only the, I couldn't find the first and third parts, but that's only part two of three. And I just, I don't even know, like, why is this a thing? I'm deeply disturbed. As you should be. I'm watching it right now. Of course he is. <laughs> like I just I don't I don't know. Yeah, I feel like this is right up Austin's alley. <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> Between I don't... you and Jeff, you send me the most fucked up shit. Yeah! <laughs> I don't send you anything near as bad as what Jeff does. That well... is true. That is accurate. Jeff just sends the most... Jeff okay. sends some... He, I, I'm starting to feel like he sends me worse stuff than he sends the two of you now. Probably. Because Probably. he knows that I enjoy it more. Well, also, you enabled him to do it. Like <laughs> I Oh, I sure did. And boy, 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 do I occasionally... Uh, very rarely, but occasionally regret it. Because he sends me some gnarly stuff, dude. Does he ever send you videos of, like, people getting beheaded or anything? Uh, I think once. Oh, okay. I think once. Well, yeah. It's, oh, dude. Did I... you see what Mindy found just going thrifting? Uh-uh. No. She found some, like, uh... I don't know how to describe this. She found some limited edition jacket from Destiny that's essentially like a raid exclusive. In real life, just thrifting, the jacket only so few people ever had in real life. It sells for like seven hundred thousand or sorry, seven hundred to a thousand dollars, and she found it at a thrift store. That's insane. It is the craziest thing I have ever seen, dude. Just imagine finding something twelve dollars. By the way, $12. That's correct. Imagine taking $12 and turning it into a solid grand real quick. Right? Absolutely That's not. crazy. Man, I don't ever find shit when I go thrifting, bro. I know. The first I thought I had anything. was I need to do it. And then I was like, no, that's a trap because I never had that good of luck when I went frequently. I, dude, I always see videos on TikTok of people going to, like, Goodwill and finding fucking, uh, like, copies of Heart Gold and Soul Silver. And I went to, there was one Saturday in specific, I didn't have anything better to fucking do, and I went to four Goodwills. The only video games I found were, like, original Xbox games, and they were, like, the fucking, um, oh, God, what was that, it, like, that uh, promotion that Burger King did where they gave <laughs> out an Xbox? It was shit like that. 
like just shovelware games that nobody cared about in the fucking first place. <laughs> I say that, but I actually do think that that Burger King game is uh, particularly pretty high in value now. <laughs> the, I could uh, be wrong, but I feel like I remember seeing that. Those fucking games are so wild, dude. That was such a wild time in like video game and like pop culture. Just <laughs> what a fucking. <laughs> no, I was wrong. <laughs> it's you can get it for three dollars on Amazon. <laughs> you can get a lot of all three because apparently they made three uh, for six dollars on eBay. God, they made three. Holy shit. That's crazy. Who at Burger King was like, you know what we need to do? The video game market. That's what <laughs> we need to fucking be. Well, that's who was eating their shit at the time, right? I mean, I guess. That would make sense. A bunch of, like, stoner fucking video game nerds. Yeah. What, what was the... Was it Doritos Crash Course? On huh? Xbox 360? Was that right? You guys Doritos? No idea. I think you played with like your avatar and you ran on almost some kind of like American Ninja Warrior style shit. Maybe I'm making oh, yeah. shit up. No, you're not making shit up. It does exist. Oh, okay. It for sure does exist. They, in fact, they made two of them. Yeah, that was a fun game. Interesting. In hmm. fucking Terra Sante. What did you say to me? I said all the things. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I just needed you guys to see that fucking baby Gronk shit, and I'm going to yes, send thanks. you more. Um, no, you don't have to. Like I said, my For You page will as forever be As many as I can. I'm going to find another one. <clears throat> I don't even know if they have any more, but I'm going to find every single one that I can about baby Gronk and send it to you. <laughs> Specifically you. Yeah, not not Austin. Austin gets enough weird shit from fucking... No, it's a collective. I don't know why you think I'm spared. Dude, that's not even counting the weird shit I get from Madison. Oh, yeah. Dude, Kayla okay. showed me a video the other day, and I was like, why the fuck are you showing me this? But it was like the Kardashians. Uh-huh. And like they were like screaming at one another because... One of them was, like, being a total bitch to the other, and it was... I, I don't even know how to describe it, man. It was just... I was like, why the fuck are you showing me this? <laughs> it was wild. I don't know. Kim Kardashian is so full of Botox that you can't even register that she has facial expressions, which is funny to me. Aren't they all so full of Botox? I mean, you're not wrong. They are all full of Botox. What's but, that saying? Uh, you're you're uh, you're not ugly. You're just poor. Uh, that, oh. I mean, that is just accurate. Oh, Dylan said. Oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> g legitimately speaking, I'm not even trying to be like weird and like uh, like political. Although it's about to get weird and political, but like, legitimately speaking, you have the ability to change your health. And the way you look so much more when you are rich, totally. it's, it's unfathomable. Like, yep. you can't get ripped the way that, like, Men's Magazine will tell you that you can get ripped just from no, exercise and diet alone. You no. have to fucking have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. 
And I'm going to be real. Half the people that look good in Hollywood are on so many fucking anabolics, oh. it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get that fucking jacked without being on steroids. It's just... Yeah. I like see it every fucking no day of my life. Natural. Like, I know what that shit looks like, and it's exactly like that, dude. Like, that is so paid for. You still have to work for it, too, but come on, dude. Like, you're fucking... Money bought that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It might not have bought it, but it definitely gave you a solid head start. Right. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But like money I, helps. Because if I had money, I'd be on anabolics, too. <laughs> <laughs> I see fucking ads all the time, and they're like, oh, uh, follow this workout routine, and you can look like Chris Hemsworth. No, you won't. No, you cannot. No, you, won't. you will not even look close. Yeah. No, honestly. Cannot. It's just, it's not physically possible. No. Uh, I'll stick with my dad bod. I like it. Dad I'm comfy. Bods are cool. They are. Speaking of bods, I watched a movie oh, called Jennifer's Body. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh. Never seen that before. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Austin, you have seen it. Dylan, have you? I have seen it. I've not. I know what it is. It's been okay. a really long time though. So it's on HBO. If you guys are interested at all, but um. Movie came out in 2009. It basically follows um, a friendship between these two girls, Jennifer, um, played by Megan Fox, and uh, Needy. I can't remember her her actual name. That's just what she's called throughout the movie. Um, played by uh, Amanda Seyfried. And basically, uh, the movie follows the two as Jennifer kind of becomes like a demon. Um, and, uh, starts eating boys. So, um, yeah, the, I remember seeing this, uh, I don't think I saw it when it came out. Like it, I didn't see it until it like hit DVDs and stuff. Um, at least I don't, I don't remember seeing it in theaters. I could be wrong. And I remember the kind of like, I guess zeitgeist around it not being very, good because um I remember people telling me that like it was just very meh and it wasn't like it wasn't you know anything but I remember really liking it and so I wanted to kind of like go into it and and rewatch it for the first time in probably uh I'd say at least 10 years so I go in with the expectation that, you know, maybe it'll be okay, but if it's not, hey, whatever. It was a 2008 movie that I don't remember very well, and, um, you know, whatever. <clears throat> this movie fucking rules. It is a lot of different things. Like, I think it has a lot of stuff going for it. Namely, I really enjoyed the commentary about the female friendship um, and sort of like jealousy that can arise from that, but also the sort of like closeted queerness that comes along with Needy and Jennifer um, to an extent. And I was really struck by those elements because it's not stuff that I really picked up before. I think that I really was 
into the Diablo Cody dialogue because I loved uh, Juno when it came out. Like that was like a a huge thing for me. I actually think that um, when that movie came out, I was like, this should win Best Picture. It it shouldn't have. I'm I'm glad that it didn't. But um, <laughs> like I I still really enjoyed Juno, but I was really caught up in the sort of like very quippy kind of like smart alecky dialogue that is uh kind of i guess her style so to speak um and i didn't really get the substance behind a lot of of the movie and i got so much more out of it this go round um not only does it have like this really interesting commentary about the uh about you know the closeted queerness and the the female friendship but also the entire premise of the movie hinges on these men who basically take the innocence from these young women uh by like killing them uh to kind of make their own uh like how do i want to put this uh, to, to further their own ambitions, if that makes sense. So it's, it's very much a movie that was made like 10 years before Me Too and is commenting on Me Too. And I just, I thought that that was like kind of incredible. Like I, and I realized that this stuff has always been around. That's kind of the whole point of Me Too, but it was just like seeing this thing that's like really well ahead of its time and also kind of like looking at the explicit nature of the politics behind it and and it kind of like not just wagging its finger but like poking fun at that idea was just something that I really I just didn't I don't know I I was really glad to see it in 2023 um the filmmaking on display is really solid. Uh, Karen Kusama, I think that's how you say her last name. She's just she's just really good. I just really like her as a general rule. Um, she was behind The Invitation, um, which is a 2016 movie um, that is excellent. And she's the... Um, I don't know if she's the showrunner, but she definitely had a hand in developing... Uh, um, What's the word? What's the show? The Yellow Jacket. Said it. That's it. Um, it's really good. Uh, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried are both really good, and the soundtrack on this fucking movie just owns. It is so good. It's full of like, um, you know, mid to late two thousands like indie music and pop punk, and it's it's just very good. Very very good. Um, yeah, I, I love the hell out of this movie. I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, parts of it don't hold up. I, I do think that that Diablo Cody dialogue that I was talking about earlier, uh, definitely has an expiration date and that expiration date was a long ass time ago. Um, but overall movie fucking rules, man. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, I, I highly recommend it. Doesn't she... 
God, this is the only scene I remember from that movie. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't she go to... Um... Are you guys still there? Yeah. Can you hear yeah. me? I can't hear anything if you guys are talking. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dylan, can you <laughs> hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear him, hear but he can't hear I me. I can hear him. Okay. okay. I can hear you guys now. Hello. <clears throat> we heard you. Okay. Um, well, uh, doesn't... This is the only scene I remember from that movie. Doesn't she kill a guy by going to blow him and bite his dick off? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like that that uh, super goth dude, right? No, no. Uh, that well, actually. Yeah, she leads him to like an abandoned building, and she's gonna act. She acts like she's gonna suck him off. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that that act- that happens to the football player, but no, I think you're right. I think unless it that happens does... twice, which I wouldn't put it past that movie <laughs> to do that twice, <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember getting in so much trouble for renting that movie in like middle school. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, one of the one of the aspects that uh, Kayla and I talked about when we talked about it afterwards was I. It was really interesting to see that like. You have these men who are getting away with it and and kind of getting rewarded for using like, you know, women to further mm-hmm. their own things. But then when Megan is doing it, she's literally a demon. Um, I thought that was really, oh, literally, or, or really interesting. It is interesting. Maybe I should rewatch that movie. It's been. A, I I do think me and Madison have watched it. it I fuck. I don't know how long it's been. We've watched it at least once during the course of our relationship because I remember watching it with her. But it's been a, it's been a while. Maybe we should rewatch that. Yeah, I think I think that the both of you would like it. It's good shit. <clears throat> Plus, just Megan Fox, man. I kind of well, <laughs> her and MGK are getting divorced, right? Yep. Good for well, her. Good go, for her indeed. Good for her. Huh? What'd you say? Huh? I said you have a chance. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay. Um, awesome. Do you want to talk about Gundam Thunderbolt? Sure, I'll talk about Gundam Thunderbolt. Um, so I last week I talked about Seed, and I said I was going to rewatch Seed Destiny, and I did. And I just really don't want to talk about it because I I really hated every minute of that. Um. <clears throat> Kind of like Seed, it starts out really good, and then halfway through, you're like, mm, what the fuck is happening? Uh, so, I watched a good uh, Gundam property, being Gundam Thunderbolt. Uh, Gundam Thunderbolt originated as a manga that turned into a movie that turned into, like, a weird, uh, like, w- like uh, web series for some fucking reason. Um, but this shit was really rad, dude. Uh, it takes place during the One Year War in the Universal Century, which is right around the... Uh, original Gundam, and the cre- the uh, sh- guys behind this series decided to do something a little bit different, because they didn't really want their designs to be limited to the existing technology that uh, was in the lore at that point of the timeline, so they decided to kind of decanonize Gundam Thunderbolt at- in an attempt to uh, basically just have cooler fucking designs that didn't have to follow the established lore. They could just kind of do their own thing. Um... And it is essentially about uh, uh, two uh, two enemy squadrons, a Federation squad and a Xeon squad called the Living Dead Sector. And basically the Living Dead team were, they, they were essentially veterans who had been injured 
like lost arms and limb and legs and shit and basically being used as 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 human projects to see how Zeon could implement the human body with mobile suits for like faster reaction times and shit like that and you get to and the main Zeon pilot that it follows you get to kind of watch his brain kind of break down over this whole thing um <clears throat> There's a whole sequence of him being hooked up to a new model of Zaku, um, and he had to have... He had already had both of his legs cut off uh, during a bombing when he was just an infantry soldier, and in order to, I guess, make him sync with this new model Zaku better, they decided to remove both of his arms so that they could attach it directly to his nerves, and it, it gets pretty dark and pretty fucking gory pretty quick. Um, but essentially this Zeon soldier forms a very bitter, bitter, rival, bitter rivalry with a pilot that he doesn't even know the name is the name of and sends him into a full mental breakdown. And there are some really fucking cool, uh, action, uh, action shots in this movie. Um, for some reason it had a jazz theme. Uh, the main pilot Flo Lemming, uh, that we follow from the Federation is like obsessed with jazz music. And so every time he comes on screen, there's just this gorgeous like classical jazz soundtrack that follows him um <clears throat> there's a scene where he is attacking a zeon soldier and you kind of you're at, at the point of view of the zeon soldier's mobile suit and you can kind of see the gundam in the background like getting closer and like as he's getting closer the jazz music gets closer uh, and there's a part where he like hides behind debris and the jazz music stops completely the debris is shot away and it like kicks back on at full blast and then obviously kills the Xeon pilot. And it's just filled with like really, really gorgeous action sequences like that. Um, again, this is one of the more gory Gundam titles. There, uh, there is a sequence pretty early into the movie where a Federation pilot um, overrides a Zaku's cockpit uh, on while the pilot didn't know and just immediately point blank shoots him between the eyes and it doesn't shy away from that at all jesus um, yeah, shoots him between the eyes grabs him by the collar and throws him out of the cockpit meanwhile like he's he's on like a uh like like uh his other squad is like pulled up on the screen of the mobile suit so his whole squad watched him get shot in the head and just thrown out of a cockpit god damn <laughs> Yeah, it, and it was fucking brutal, but this it, it was really, really good. Apparently, there's a sequel called Bandit Flower. Um, I'm going to try to watch that eventually. Uh, I don't think it looks as good as Thunderbolt for some reason. I watched a couple of clips and trailers of it, and for whatever reason, I feel like the animation kind of got worse. Uh, there's some themes behind like PTSD and like heavy drug use kind of thrown in there, and it was it was really interesting. And I thought the choice to kind of decanonize this from the timeline in an effort to do whatever they wanted with the mech designs was super fucking interesting. But it was a very good movie. Hell yeah! Where did you watch this on? Uh, YouTube. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh. Uh, there's a channel called Gundam Info, and it's like the official Gundam channel for the West, and they just have it up on YouTube. Ah, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's also available on Crunchyroll, but I could be wrong. I know it was at one point. I don't know if it's there anymore. Okay. Well, hey, I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds cool. I, are you... 
just going through um like Gundam again? Is that like your uh yeah, your thing I think right so. now? I think so. Well, the problem is that it's been his thing for a while, and then he's sending me shit that looks cool, and now I want to buy model kits, and I know that that's not feasible, and I don't like that. Don't do it. It's a trap. Well, they look super cool, and I've never watched one thing Gundam in my life. Dude, surprisingly, the majority of, of people who build Gumpla have never watched Gundam. Yeah. I've met a lot of people that are super, super into the hobby, like far more into it than I am. And I'm like, oh, what's your favorite Gundam series? They're like, oh, I've never seen it. I just think the designs look cool. I just uh, think it's fun. That's kind of Sabrina, and I think... I think we'll, we'll probably wind up watching something Gundam-related because she's super into mechs and shit like that, so... You should. It's just, it's inevitable at this point. I'll send you we'll a see. recommendation list. Please, you've, I... Let me get through what I'm currently watching. Okay, cool. What are you currently watching? No. Brain powered. (laughs) (laughs) A weird fucking mech anime that no one's ever heard of. What was it? Brain powered. I have never heard of that. Yeah. You said Big O the other day, and I haven't heard the name Big O in like 15 years, and I really want to go back and watch that, dude. Yeah, dude. I, I used to love the Big O, but... That shit was so good. I haven't heard of, like, that's not a name that I've heard in a very long time. Wasn't, uh, wasn't some of the, some of the crew behind Cowboy Bebop heavily involved with that? Uh, I I know that Steve Blum did a voice for it, but I don't know how, uh, I feel like, like how involved other people were. I'll I'll find out. I'll let you know. Hey. Hey, (laughs) oh. Uh, cool. Well, um, I figure I will, I'll talk about, uh, another movie real quick because, um, I have four and you guys have three collectively. So, Mm um, I watched Deadstream. Uh, this was part of, well, all of these have been part of the 31 days of Halloween so far, but, um, this one we watched a couple nights ago, and more or less it is a uh, satire about, for lack of a better, I, I guess, person, Logan Paul. <laughs> it, it, it is very <laughs> much... In- what? Yeah. It's very much informed by Logan Paul and everything that happened with him uh, during the whole... Um, the Japanese thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Holy shit. So it's basically a um it, it's about a live streamer who has lost his ad revenue and his um and his uh what's the what's the word that I'm looking for? His audience more or less, like no sponsors, no nothing, yeah. no affiliations, got you. Exactly. And and it was because uh it's it's figured out later in the in the movie that it was because he <laughs> he tried to fight <clears throat> a homeless man and <laughs> he, he accidentally hurt the homeless man uh a little too much and uh and that's yeah that's what happened what the fuck yeah um <laughs> and the premise of it is that he's going to do this live stream to try to get his 
viewership back on his side and he's got some new sponsors and he's he's going to do all this crazy shit where basically he's going to stay in a haunted house he's going to live stream everything and then anytime that the chat has to uh or <clears throat> any time that the chat notices something uh they will tell him to check it out and he has to check it out or else uh he is He'll like lose sponsorship and money and, and stuff like that. Um, it is a wild fucking premise, uh, but it is so fucking funny um, because the guy who is playing the live streamer, he has that sort of like character down pat. Like when he's talking to the chat and stuff, it's like I'm watching one of those people who is like talking to the God chat damn, dude. It is so on the fucking money with how it characterizes everything. Like I I was laughing from pretty much the word go. Like it was just so insane and like like I said, just on the money that I was dying. I was absolutely dying. And uh, it turns out the house is really haunted, and at the very beginning of the movie, he kind of fucks himself over by, by accidentally destroying a, um, uh, accidentally destroying a sort of, like, ward that will, um, keep the spirits at bay, so to speak. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, uh... It is interesting, like very, very interesting and very on the nose and very, very funny. Um, there are some parts that are like pretty gory and kind of um, kind of spooky a little bit. Um, but most mostly it's a satire played played for laughs. Um, I had a really great fucking time with it. I thought it was hysterical and really kind of captured what it, I, what I feel like a lot of people don't get out of like, uh, the influencer culture is like, they very explicitly, I feel like, uh, you know, kind of like monetize, um, I don't want to say tragedies, but like they monetize shit that you probably shouldn't monetize because it's, you know, kind of a bad idea to do so, you know? Um, and it kind of nails that, that culture perfectly. Uh, I thought it was fucking great. Um, I don't know. Maybe not for everyone, but it certainly was for me. Where can you watch it? Uh, it is on shutter and I believe it's, I believe it's on Hulu as well. I oh. could be wrong about that. But I have Hulu. Dylan said I'm not getting another subscription service. No, I was not getting Shutter, but I have Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll look into it real quick. Let me see. Let me see if I can figure it out. I think it's on Hulu. Um, what is my login for Hulu? Oh, my God. Mm. I just have it always signed in on all my consoles, so I don't fucking know. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll look into it and I'll, and I'll figure it out. And okay. if uh, if it's something that is on there, I'll let you know because it is. That sounds super fun. Yeah, it is. 
It is. Um, cool. Well, you've been, I presume, watching One Piece? I have. Or is this um, Netflix One Piece? No, not yet, but that is inevitable. Oh. Um, luckily, I have a guide telling me when and where to watch that specifically. So, uh, thanks, Austin. Um, You're welcome. So, here's what happens. He, I listened to him talk about all this anime, and thing is, is I grew up with One Piece a little bit. Um, I remember watching it, like, just with, you know, with my dad and, like, the living room and stuff like that. And it, I was never super serious into One Piece, but I was with Bleach and Naruto and stuff that was, like, playing around the same time. So I would always watch One Piece, but I never took it seriously, I guess. Um, so I had a faint idea of everything going on, and then for some reason for the past three years on my Reddit, I've seen the manga spoilers for some reason, so I'm pretty up to date with that. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Um, and then it doesn't help that recently Austin's gotten into it, and he's been kind of hyping it up a little bit, and then in an effort to sell him goods from my place of employment, I start sending him all these cool-looking Ashton figures, and all of a sudden like damn now i want these cool looking action figures that i'm sending them for one piece and shit and it's it's not good so recently i started watching it on a whim because i was like it's gonna be hard for me to watch naruto and one piece at the same time and that held true because i've stopped watching naruto but um and and, and on the other hand i am thoroughly loving one piece way more than i thought i would um like, I was sucked in during the third episode, I think, where you get to learn a little bit of backstory with Luffy and Shanks, and I was like, all right, sign me the fuck up. And I'm I'm still early on, but I love a lot of the, the story that I've seen so far, and then, like, uh, Buggy's fucking wild, dude. Like, I, I love, love everything Buggy that I've so seen. Much. Yeah. I love everything that I've seen from him so far. And, like, I just saw him get his ass thrown to who knows where by Luffy and I think, the last episode. So I'm still really early. But I told Austin it's going to take me fucking three years to finish it because I can only watch an episode a day, it feels like. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm having so much fun with it, man. Like, I really like a lot of the characters, and I think I'm somehow more attached to this right now than I am Naruto. And... I'm fucking loving it. And then I have been wanting to play Sea of Thieves recently, and I feel like now this is a part of that. Like, I'm, I'm fucking just pirating myself. Um, like, every corner, you know, I wanted to play Black Flag recently because I've been playing Mirage, and I was like, oh, Black Flag looks great. I just need to stop because this is how I get fixated. But Spider-Man comes out soon, so I don't... It's not even in my... If I wanted to choose, it's going to be chosen for me. Everything else is going to be stopped anyway, so... But I, I will continue to watch One Piece. It's a lot of fun. I am thoroughly enjoying it. Um, we'll see how far I get because there's quite a few episodes. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> quite a few. Um, but it looks good, man. And I, I saw, like, the later, uh, I guess, artistic style change when everything starts looking a lot better than it does in these early episodes, and I'm super here for that. Yeah. Um, what are you watching it on? Uh, Hulu. 
so on, I believe, Crunchyroll has it subbed and Netflix has it dubbed. But they recently released it released a uh, remaster of the entire East Blue Saga, which is like the first five or six arcs of One Piece. Um, they, they did like a whole remaster to kind of make it fall more in line with the more modern art style. And that shit's pretty cool. Damn. Hell yeah. If you ever feel like that older, early 2000s animation isn't really doing it for you, just hop over to Netflix. I'm thinking, damn, I'm thinking about it now, but I kind of like it, and then I'll just get a treat one day when it just ceases to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, you got a long time. <laughs> God, <laughs> I do. Hundreds. Time. Hundreds. Because the, the, the art style starts to change pretty drastically after the time skip. And that's a long way away. Yeah. But I'm here for it, man. Like, I am very glad that I started it. Um, that's awesome, dude. It, I, it, I love it, that you love it. Josh, it's I, Then I started in the in the group chat the other day. I was like, oh, hey, awesome, blah, 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 is on sale. And then I was like, oh, wait, I could buy that. because I did buy that. I didn't, but I could have. <laughs> um, but the other one, the one that came out this year was on sale. And I was like, son of a bitch. The One Piece Odyssey? Uh, Odyssey? Yes, Odyssey. Thank yeah. you. Odyssey's a great game. Yeah, that was on sale, and I was like, I could do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bought that. Uh, I bought Pirate Warriors 4, and I played it for like through two or three hours, and I have yet to touch it since. I honestly forgot that I had it until you just said that. There you go. So now I know what I'm doing when I get done with this. Well, that's not true, because you have a lot of shit going on in your lead-up to Spider-Man. You're playing, like, a thousand different that's things. That's true. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I that's fucking true. feel that super hard. Yeah, I'm, like, fucking jumping between eight fucking games at once. I think I'm juggling three. I think. Austin, or, not Austin, Jesus. Josh, how many are you juggling right now? Uh, let's see. Let me look at my 2023 said games every list. Final Fantasy <clears throat> ever released. <laughs> Lies of P, Sea of Stars, Starfield. Uh, I still am kind of chipping away at Season, but that's a, that's fallen like a little bit of, to the back burner. Um, I just downloaded Like a Dragon Ishin, and I'm about to start that. Uh, oh, yeah. I've then, heard really good things. And then I also downloaded... Uh, Against my better judgment, Forza. Um, so, so yeah, that's at least five right there that I have that I'm going to be circulating through. But there's also like Alan Wake Two comes out next week. Spider Man oh, comes Spider-Man? out on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try. I don't know. There's just there's so much, man. Because Super Mario Wonder just came out, and yeah, it's getting really great reviews, and I love side-scrolling Mario, so I might fucking get that. It's, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's it just is too a bank-breaking year. Yeah. So, what if I propose something to you guys? I've been thinking about this heavily, oh especially with, like, uh, just how recently we fucking been off on a schedule. What if next year we don't have any kind of challenge and we just play all the games in our backlog? I'm... <laughs> I like that idea. Because it it's bad, man, and I feel like I get sidetracked on this challenge, and I don't get to play what I want to play because I'm trying to knock it out in X, Y, and Z ways. So it's like, just play whatever next year. If 
Fuck it. Mm. 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 I mean, hey. Wait a second. Didn't you, Josh, haven't you finished Lies of P like three times already? That doesn't count. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, and I'm going to do it a fourth. <laughs> well, I'm only I'm only one achievement away from getting the oh my getting God. the thousand gamers score on it. Um, I, well, fuck it. Now you have to. I know. See, right? that's what I'm talking about. Let, maybe that's the. Let's just go for platinums in the thousands next year. No. Fuck this shit. Yeah. No. Let's get no. fifty no. apiece next He's year. He's got it. No. <laughs> fifty, <damn laughs> 50 fucking platinums apiece. <laughs> Jesus you heard Christ. that shit? <laughs> Holy shit! I don't dude. even do one. <laughs> I have one game platinumed on PlayStation, and it's Persona oh, Five Royal, and that's it. Damn. Oh, you see that shit's leaving Game Pass soon? Excuse yeah. Me. Really? Yeah. They ju- Oh, damn. They said, okay, here you go. Here's a little taste. That's crazy. Well, if you if you start it right now, you might have enough time to finish it. Maybe. Probably not, though. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> if you really speedrun that, um, that shit. Persona 3 Reload is coming directly to Game Pass on day one. Yep. That's pretty yep. cool. Yep, yep, yep. That's sick. I'm still going to buy it on PlayStation, but hey, if you want it, it's there. Yes, sir. <sighs> okay. Dylan's well, dying. Uh, I had to I had to take a drink real quick. Um, cool. Well, uh, I watched another horror movie <laughs> called uh, <laughs> called Infinity Pool. Um. Are you guys familiar with the um, movie Possessor? I think no. I may have talked about it last year. Um, I am not. Okay, I'll show I'll show you the poster because I feel like people have seen the poster; they just don't know what the movie is. Um, but okay. So anyway, the point point is is. Uh, that movie was directed by Brandon Cronenberg, which is the son of David Cronenberg, um, and he also directed this movie. Possessor, I'm relatively positive I watched last year. If I didn't watch it last year, I watched it the year before. And it is a very fucked up movie. Very fucked up. And I remember watching it and just being like, oh, oh my, what, what's going on here? I kind of knew, you know, given given his pedigree, you know, his his dad's David Cronenberg, who made nothing but kind of like, you know, fucked up movies. Um, I And then having seen Possessor, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into with this one, but I also kind of didn't. Um, I think that this movie is very, very good. Like, very, very good. I kind of hated it. Not because it's not good, but because it is so full of rage and so full of, like, hatred. Or maybe not hatred, but, like, it's very much taking a look at hatred. Um, And it is just a a very, very, uh, I don't, I don't even know how else to describe it other than, um, 
ugly. Um, basically, the premise is that you have this guy who is a failed writer uh, staying in a vac- vacation res- resort with his uh, wife. Um, they are very, very bored. And one night he meets a uh, woman who she's like, oh, I really I love your work. Like, let's get dinner, blah, blah, blah. So they all kind of like get dinner. They hang out the next day on uh, they're at a resort in this um, country that is not quite very accepting of outsiders and because because of that the the resort is kind of like locked down you're not supposed to leave but they leave and they go out and they kind of have this um uh, like just fun day out or whatever and as they're driving back and they're all drunk uh they hit a local farmer and kill him uh the girl who uh met the author and was like, I'm a huge fan or whatever. And, and try to get them to be friends and everything. She's like, like, listen, don't worry about it. We'll get it taken care of. Let's just go back to the hotel. They get back to the hotel. The next day they wake up and they are being taken into custody by the government. The government tells them that, uh, the punishment for killing someone is, uh, to, you know, be killed. Um, so that's that's the thing that's going to happen to them but they're also supremely rich and one of the things they offer to the supremely rich is the ability to have yourself cloned and have that clone take your place so they killed a man they're supposed to die uh you can have a clone take your place in this death and that kind of stuff starts this sort of spiraling event of the writer who is played by Alexander. I, th- I think it's Alexander Skarsgård. It's, it's one of the Skarsgårds. He kind of uh, goes down this journey where he is, um, uh, starts using this to his benefit because he's insanely wealthy. So why would he not? He can just do whatever the fuck he wants and he can use his money to, buy these clones and basically get out of jail for free. Well, um, so that's the basic premise and there's a lot of like debauchery that goes down. There's, there's actually like a lot of really, really cool, um, almost like acid trip, uh, style sequences of them doing drugs and doing these horrible things and then kind of getting away with it. Um, and then there's one scene that really kind of fucked me up in a in a very harsh way where you're watching them and they're sitting there getting ready to be cloned or what have you. And like they're just sitting and they're talking and they're, you know, going about their lives. And then the police come in and start pulling them into the into the chamber where they're going to be killed and they're sitting there and they're like screaming like, Hey, like, what are you doing? We have all the money. We like, we can do this, you know, whatever. And they get fucking decimated. And then it pans over and you hear this like 
like cheering and, and stuff like that. And it was the clones being killed. And I was just like, oh, holy fuck. Like, that really fucked me up. Um, but it's a movie that very much is about how the rich uh, are allowed to be immoral and get away with it because they have so much money. It is very, very angry about the way the rich kind of just treat everyone um, and, again, get away with it because they are insanely rich. Uh, or rich. Um, there's also this really interesting commentary that, like, I... I read some reviews afterwards to kind of see what the what the um, general consensus was, and uh, for the most part, people liked it or whatever. But like everyone kept pointing out to the sort of like the commentary on like the rich people stuff, um, and like that's there, that's front and center. That's that is kind of mostly what the movie is about. But there was also this really strange undercurrent I felt for Alex Alexander Skarsgård's character where he's this artist who uh like I don't I don't want to spoil anything but like he he's a failed author and there's this sort of like sadness about him even though he's rich and like he, he does awful things like he's objectively not a great guy but like there was this sort of like sense of like he joins in with these people because he kind of gets some some pleasure out of being in a group and having sort of like camaraderie because he doesn't necessarily get that elsewhere and he has to kind of like try to fit in and then it's not enough for these people. And I mean, again, I don't want to ruin anything in case anybody wants to watch this, but, um, they're not his friends. We'll put it that way. And they don't care about him. And one of the things is like, he is trying very hard to be someone that he's not, and it's not enough. And he's never going to fit in. And that really kind of like struck a chord with me, like really hard. Um, yeah, uh, it's an insane movie. Uh, there's a scene where a woman's nipple just continues to grow and grow and grow until someone eats it. Um, there is like male genitalia spouting from like female genitalia. Um it's rated NC-17 for a reason. Uh, it is insane. Um, and it is hard to watch. I need to like imprint that in people's minds. It is hard to watch. But it is an excellently crafted movie. It's very, very good. Um, if you could stomach that sort of stuff, I'd, I'd definitely recommend giving it a shot. Sounds it sounds insane. like an acid trip. Yeah, I yeah. would watch it. I don't think I'd be happy about it, but yeah. One of the uh, one of the titles of one of the reviews I said was like it was like "Welcome to the White Lotus on Bad Acid," and that <laughs> I was like, "Yep, that, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's exactly what the fucking movie is." Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah. So. Uh, Austin, what is that? What is that on? Is that on? Uh, it's, it's on, on Hulu. Hulu. Okay, cool. I might check that shit out later. 
Yeah. That sounds crazy. You you uh, you might like it. Maybe. All right. You're All into right. some fucked right. up shit. That's true. I am. <laughs> uh, One Piece. Are we talking manga or anime? Uh, or? Manga. Okay. So I am uh, much farther than I was when I talked last week uh, about One Piece. I am past the time skip. I think specifically I am on chapter 618. Um, and, you know, the last time I talked about One Piece, I talked about the Annis Lobby arc and how I, like, it just um, very much so emotionally captivated me. And it was by far the best arc in the series so far. And then I got to Marine Ford. <laughs> I was going to say, and then you got to the next arc. <laughs> it's not the next arc. It's a couple arcs later, but oh, okay. it's, the, it's the last major arc before the time skip. And holy fucking shit, dude. Like, everything I felt in Ennis Lobby was just multiplied times ten. Marine Ford is so perfectly fucking crafted. Um, so, right before this arc starts, um, the crew arrives at uh, an island called the Seabody Archipelago after meeting a uh, mermaid on the way there named Cammy, who is going to help them get to the next island they need to get to, but they have to make a stop here for, uh, first to... Uh, repair the ship and have some adjustments made so they can make that journey safely. Upon reaching the island, they are told by the locals that there are people who come to this island called the Celestial Dragons, and they are essentially they are essentially descendants of the people who originally formed the world government. And the one thing that they told them is no matter what they say to you, no matter what they do, do not piss them off. Because pissing off a celestial dragon or doing anything that they don't like is a high crime and you will be ordered to be executed on the spot. And they even see an instance of, a, of one of the celestial dragons uh, accidentally bumping into somebody and being mad that they bumped into him. And he's just like, oh, oh, he, he got his fucking, uh, what did he say? Something about poverty. I don't remember the line specifically, but he was like, oh, he got his, he, I, I was touched by a poor man, essentially. I don't like that. Fucking kill him. And they shoot him in the head and kill him right in the middle of this fucking busy street. And he just keeps walking like it's not even a fucking problem. Um, while they're there, they discover what is essentially a human trafficking ring that the Navy completely overlooks. Because it's the Celestial Dragons, and they, they let them do whatever the fuck they want. They don't have to answer to anybody. So they just let this human trafficking ring exist, even though slavery is technically, sub technically illegal. Um... While witnessing this whole thing go down, Luffy ends up getting mad at a celestial dragon for shooting an innocent man and with zero hesitation punches this man so fucking <laughs> hard. Like the the anime scene is hilarious because it, it literally the way it's animated, it's like Luffy punched this dude so hard he threw him from the anime back into the fucking manga. <laughs> And he just didn't care. He was like, oh, I know I'm not supposed to uh, fuck with these guys, but I, I just really don't like the way they're fucking treating these people. Um, and for that, the Celestial Dragons contact the Navy, and the island is very, pretty quickly very surrounded. So they essentially have to try to fight out of, fight out of this island. Um, while heading back to the ship, they are, they're encountered by um, one of the seven warlords of the sea. His name is Bartholomew. 
And the seven warlords are essentially pirates that the Navy kind of hires. They they don't really hire them, but they grant them immunity as long as they basically do any job that they tell them to do. Um, they're free to continue doing whatever the fuck they want as long as they answer the Navy when they call them, essentially. Um, and Bar they, they, had, they had encountered Bartholomew before and thought he had a power to just make people disappear. Like, when he touches them, they just vanish. They didn't know what happened to them. They don't know if... They think that they die, but they don't, they don't fucking know. And the entire crew is very quickly overwhelmed by this dude. Getting the... All eight of them getting mercilessly fucking beat down. And almost to rub salt in the wound, he makes Luffy watch him attack every fucking crew member and make them disappear right in front of him. And Luffy at this point thinks that they're just dead. He thought that he just watched all of his crew members be killed in front of him. And there's a, this whole sequence of him like groveling on the ground and, and screaming. He's like, like I'm, I'm the captain and I couldn't do anything to save my crew. Like he starts, uh, he starts banging his head on the fucking dirt and punching himself because he's like, I, I, I thought I was better than this. I thought that my whole journey so far, I thought I was stronger than to let something like this happen. Um, shortly after uh, that whole situation, um, they learn that uh, they, they don't die. They just get teleported somewhere very far away. So the entire crew is basically on different spots of the world with no way to get back to each other. Um, and Luffy gets wrapped up in... Um, basically a giant war at the biggest prison of the Navy called Marine Ford. Um, I don't want to spoil who this war is over because Dylan is watching it and it is a very massive spoiler, but it is somebody extremely close to Luffy. And when Luffy finds out that this person is set to be publicly executed, he's like, no, like I, I can't let that happen. Even though I'm by myself, I have to go help him. Well, that just told me who it was. No, it didn't. If you're not talking about Shanks... No. No. God, no. You think Shanks would let that shit happen to him? No. Oh, you mean... Okay, okay. No. It's I'm genuinely not Shanks. Now. I'm caught up now. Okay. No. Dude, we don't know anything that Shanks has been doing. Like, even right now, caught up in the manga, nobody has any clue what Shanks has been up to this whole time. He's living his best life. He's just chilling. Uh, but anyway, Luffy shows up. And so does uh, the pirate Whitebeard uh, with his entire crew and basically 50 other plus crew uh, uh, pirate crews to wage war on the Navy to save this specific person because he is a member of Whitebeard's crew. And Whitebeard's like, I'm not letting any of my fucking people be executed. We'll kill every fucking one of you. And so a giant battle ensues. Hundreds of people are killed, especially pirates. And... Not only, oh, fuck. Well, I already sent that page to Dylan, yeah, so did. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Whitebeard does die at the end, um, and not only does Whitebeard die, but so does the specific pirate that everybody was fighting to save. And Luffy watches both of them get murdered right in front of him. So he just watched his entire crew get ripped away from him. He and then immediately after watch somebody very close to him be murdered and also Whitebeard be murdered who at this point is considered the strongest pirate alive he was Gold Roger's rival and he couldn't even beat Gold Roger but as of this moment Whitebeard is considered the strongest pirate I think at the end they said it was like 
he took, before Whitebeard finally died, he took 267 stab wounds, uh, 132 gunshots, and 47 cannon shots. And he took every one of those attacks from the front. He did not have a single scar on his back in one, not in any spot. He fought as hard as he could till the very end. And like it, it kind of, the manga pans out and it shows him just standing there. He doesn't even fall over, but he's dead. He's just standing there towering over these, these pirates and the, and these soldiers who are all terrified at the power that this man just displayed. And this was kind of the moment where the Navy was like, okay, maybe we don't have this world as in control as we thought we did if we let a motherfucker like this be around for that long. Um, And then after that, the time skip happens. And you get to kind of see what everybody was doing in those two years. And that's about where I'm at. So I don't know any further than that, but... Fuck, I, there, there was a scene specifically after the battle at Marine Ford where, because Luffy passed out after watching that, all of that murder and shit happen in front of him. He basically had a mental breakdown and passed out and had to be taken somewhere and like basically saved back to life because he's fucking dying. And when he wakes up, he, he starts to have nightmares of, of reliving that person's death over and over he starts to have hallucinations of that person's blood all over his hands he talks about like he talks about how how it felt to feel that person's body go limp in his arms while he was holding him and it was just it's fucking rough dude and it like this is one of the things that i feel like i love so much about one piece because it it hits so much closer to home than i ever would have expected it to and after watching all of that you get kind of this nice uh monologue from shanks basically telling luffy like this is gonna hurt for a long time this pain that you feel is not gonna go away and it's okay to it's okay to be upset about it and it's okay to cry over it but you have to keep going you cannot let it stop you and it was just so wonderfully said and fuck dude one Piece is so good. One Piece is a fucking masterpiece. I need to get around to it. I will eventually, but... One day. Yeah. There's just... There's so much stuff in the way. I'm still... Uh, like, I'm... I got the newest version... Or, not the newest version. I got the newest um, uh, deluxe edition of Berserk. I'm reading through that. Uh, oh Dan to Dan just released uh another volume mm-hmm. and or not volume sorry what's the, no yeah uh collected collected chapters are in a volume right yes okay i just wanted to make sure i wasn't fucking up the terminology um yeah new dandadan uh volume uh i'm catching up on my dress of darling like not to mention all the shit that we were just talking about like the 80,000 games that I'm trying to play. Um, mm-hmm. I've never read Dan to Dan, but fuck, that looks good, dude. I like the art style. The art lot. style on it is fucking cool, right? I like that shit a lot. Yeah. I'm going to have to... When I get caught up in One Piece, that's the very first thing I'm going to, because I really fucking dig that art style. 
Yeah, it's good, man. I I really I I dig the hell out of it. It's um, it's a little cheesy and a little little uh. I mean, it's a, about teenagers and teenagers wanting to have sex with one another, basically. <laughs> but like, but uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. But I I definitely want to get around to One Piece, man. I I hear nothing sure. but great things and. It sounds right up my fucking alley. Did you see that? Uh, did you ever watch Fully Cooly back in the day? Hell yeah, I loved Fully Cooly. Did you see they made another season of Fully Cooly and it's terrible? Oh, uh, really? Literally, if I have not read one good review about it, that is unfortunate. That was the they released uh, two more seasons to Fully Cooly back in like 2013 and 2014, and they were received the same way. Like they were received terribly. So I'm like, why did you, why did you try again ten years later? Yeah, it should have just been left alone. That's unfortunate. I keep trying to get Madison to watch Fully Cooly, and she just will not let it happen. I, I kind of think she would love it. It's very. I do too. If she would just sit down and watch it, I think she would really enjoy it. Yeah, it's very queer coded. I don't know. Very much so. Ugh. <sighs> Um, well, yeah. Uh, speaking of queer-coded things, final movie I'm going to talk about is, uh, I'm going to talk about a little movie called Bones and All. Um, so, this movie is from Luca Guadagnino. Uh, he is the person behind, um... The Suspiria remake that I don't think I talked about, but I watched this year. Um, and he is also behind the movie Call Me By Your Name. Um, and the premise of the movie is basically that there are, there is this uh, cannibal lady. Uh, little, little, I say little girl, but she's like uh, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that range. Um, and she goes out to kind of like uh meet her mother or well find her her mother uh because one day her father just kind of like up and leaves her and she is all alone and she has nowhere to go and her first thought is to find her biological mother um so she goes from Maryland uh, to, I believe it is, uh, I believe it's Ohio. And while she's in in Ohio, she um, meets this man named Sully, who introduces himself as a fellow kind of like, uh, he calls himself an eater, and says that he wants to teach her um, kind of like how to do it. Uh, but she's very unnerved by him and his presence. And so she flees the house and, um, then gets on a bus and heads to her next stop, which is Indiana. While she's there, she meets, uh, a young man named Lee, who is played by Timothy Chalamet. And, um, later kind of finds out that he is also an eater and 
soon they kind of begin this road trip together to try to find uh, her biological mother. And um, that's all I'll really say about it. There are lots of other things that go on, but um, this is maybe my favorite movie that I've watched this year. Um, and it is definitely within like the, at the very least, the top five might be in the top three of movies that were released from last year. Um, I adored this fucking movie. It is spectacularly like shot. Um, and it is, it's got some of the best acting, uh, like, Timothy Chalamet and uh, what is the girl's name? Um, Taylor Russell. They are just perfection. They're so good with how they bring across their emotions without like saying words with like little, little variations in their body language and stuff like that. Like they are just, absolutely incredible um mark rylance who plays uh sully he's even better i he's i don't know how he manages to imbue his character with the sadness and like um creepiness that he is but he's meant he's able to take this character and make them one of the most unique and unnerving and like also makes you really empathize with him like just it's i it's a fantastic performance just full stop um I was just kind of spellbound by this movie. Um, it is... I don't know. It it captures all of the like highs and lows that kind of come with life and all of the things that will happen in your life. Just the sort of like emotional chaos of it all. Uh, it is really, really beautiful. Like the cinematography in this thing is outstanding. There are these really beautiful shots of just the like Midwest landscape that are breathtaking, but there are also these really like beautiful, like, scenes of of violence or or like post violence that have like the this sort of like just beautiful like lighting and and color to them and they're really really beautiful um the thing that i think really steals the show for me though is the writing it's a movie i think very much so about um it's about 
wanting to be loved and the longing for that. And then kind of paired with that idea, the idea of finding someone who finally makes you feel seen. Like they see you and they understand. And the hunt to kind of like be loved by that and the I'm um, I mean the movie is explicitly about cannibalism right but like it's that in a in a way it's kind of like the uh Park Chan-wook film uh Thirst about vampires where it is very explicitly about a hunger and in this case it's a hunger to be loved and seen and allow your ugliness to be there and someone still accept that. Um, on the other side of that, it's very much about being queer and being allowed to have love while being queer. Because, I mean, the movie is very much like it starts out, she thinks that she has something wrong with her, but she's born with it. She thinks that there is something inherently wrong with her. And at the end of the day, everyone that is supposed to love her leaves. And she's searching for that person to love her. It's very, in my mind, it's very clearly a parallel for being a part of the queer community. Um, There's also, uh, I think, some very strong commentary about um, HIV and AIDS. uh, And the fact that it is set. I'm relatively positive it's set during the 80s. So, like, you know, there's all of that, you know, the AIDS epidemic. Uh, and it just, I don't know. Um, it really, really got me. Um, I, I cried a lot uh, at the end of this movie. Um it is beautiful. It is excellent. Um, and it is, uh, like I said, it's, it's maybe my favorite thing that I've watched this year. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. It's available on prime. I really, really think that if you get a chance to watch it, you really should. Um, because it's, it's that fucking good. Hell yeah, dude. That sounds really cool it is <laughs> Dylan is dead um, he no is. I'm, I'm here I'm here bones and all bones and all oh. which one so, all of the because bones because he just, just it talked about bones and all yeah I know okay I got it his bones and though. his bone are here oh cool. that's where I was going thank you Josh yeah Come on, Dylan. Get it together, Dylan. I understood where he was trying to take it, but I was trying to go away from that. Nope. I'm not going to let that happen. All right. That was your version of... That was me telling you no, and that was you saying yes, even though I said no. So you think about it. Oh, I get it. Oh, good. (laughs) So it works for you. This is getting bad. Okay. All right. Well, let's... uh... Reel us back in, Joshua. Yeah, let's, um, I guess, uh, 
move Don't on to what we have what to been do. playing. Because um, this is catch-up time, obviously. Catch-up. Catch-up. Um, do one of you guys want to start start us off? I don't have anything, so. Oh, cool. I don't have any okay. games. Well, that's fun. I like that. I mean, I da- like, I've, I've been playing stuff, but just not, like, I've been playing SD Gundam again, and it's really bad, dude. God it's really bad. I, you say I that, put... now I'm going to go download the new, that Gundam game I talked about the other day. You should! I will play it with you any day of the week, bro. I swear to God. Except for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when he no life Spider-Man. I honestly, <laughs> I will put Spider-Man down to play that with you. I love Battle oh, wow. Operation too. Oof. I still think we should all go be pirates. I I'm would. I will play that. the shit out of it, man. I, I'm pretty sure I've got it downloaded on my Series X. I have it downloaded on oh, my PC. Oh my god! It might be pirate time. It might I'm, be. I'm in. Um, I am in. Okay. Yeah. Well. Oh boy. Oh. We can call ourselves the Straw Hats for no reason at all. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> straw Hat Gang Engage or whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, uh, you or me first. Well, uh, we'll, we'll go with you. What you haven't you spoken in a while other than to tell us that you had a bone. Hold on. He's saying something. What did you just say? <laughs> what did you just say? Who? Me? You. Me? Yes. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. It's not even a joke, I really don't. You're not even smoking and you can't remember. Nope. Probably it's probably a lasting damage side effect. Yep. Does dementia run in your family? It does. Oh, oh my god. Yes. It it does very much so. I was not supposed to be a yes. I have been playing Assassin's Creed Mirage recently. Mirage? Um, my rage. My rage. Well no, actually no. I'm not raging. Um in in the past, I feel like few years, I've said that I kind of like what Ubisoft's done with Assassin's Creed, um, and like I, I kind of I I know it's not the same game that I grew up with, but it was a breath of fresh air for the franchise. I really enjoyed Origins, I tolerated Odyssey, and I liked the Valhalla, th- uh, the Viking theme of Valhalla, even though I never finished it. I enjoyed. You know, the landscapes and everything, but there's just that game is way too fucking big, dude. It's ridiculous. Um, but then Mirage got announced, and you know, inevitably it came out that it was going to be just like the good old days good old back to core Assassin's Creed gameplay. So, of course, I'm skeptical, um, but I was hopeful, you know, nonetheless. And I watched and read as little as I could about it, I'll be honest, before its release, and I remain spoiler-free even till now. I have no idea how the game ends. Um, I mean, I kind of know what happens with Basim, considering he's in Valhalla, but, like, I don't know where this story puts him. And I really like this story with Basim, you know? it's It, it starts him out as a, a young kid, kind of like in the days of how Ezio started. Um, he starts him as a young kid, and it shows his initiation, and... Um, the finding of the Assassin's Brotherhood, essentially, and it shows how he gets his training, and you kind of go through this brief introduction in the beginning of the game, and then you're thrown into being Bassam the Assassin. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, playing this game has reminded me what I loved about Assassin's Creed. Um, it's that intricate parkour that I have to find my path on, because I'm no longer able to just like suction cup onto a wall. 
Like we go back to how it used to be, how I think it should be, in that you have to find your path. You can't just climb anything and everything you see. There has to be a ledge there, and that's something that I really enjoyed. That's something that drew me to Assassin's Creed in the first place. Um, and I feel like now stealth actually feels more meaningful. Like I'm not a Viking running in and just throwing axes and, you know, fucking summoning my crew from a battle horn, right? I'm I'm actually able to play, like, in a smarter way. I'm not limited by, um, like, my hidden blade being under-leveled, you know? Like, I couldn't full-on assassinate someone. Like, no, if I, if I, if I poke you with my blade, you're gonna die. And that's, that's what I like. Like, I can, I can be stealthy, and I can snake my way in and out and use my throwing knives like I could in Assassin's Creed, the first Assassin's Creed. Take out enemies from the rooftop, drop down, use hidden blade from a, you know, fucking bale of hay or something like that. Like, this feels very reminiscent of those, those olden days. Um, and like, even the core, the key, um, the, the key targets, like, it feels better to actually track them down and see how I can draw them out of their hiding places and be tactful with it. I mean, I, I miss this kind of gameplay. Um, Mirage kind of feels like you modernized the first few games, if I'm being honest with you. Um, the combat's super simple. Um, it's modern and a little boring, I'm not going to lie. Like, you're stuck with... Pre so I'm playing on PlayStation 5, so you're stuck with pressing... pressing R1 for a light attack and then holding it down for a heavy attack. And I've remapped re my controls a little bit so I forget what's truly where, but um, all said and done, you also have a dodge and you have a parry. So it's, it's really basic, but for me, I'm trying not to do any kind of combat at all. Now when I do do it, I, I'm really quick to hit the parry and then when you hit it just right, you can just do an instant kill on them. Love it that way. But I'm trying to play this game as stealthily as I can just because that's what I've missed about this franchise and that's what I feel like this game really encourages you to do. Um, I feel like it's going to be a much shorter, refined package. It is a $50 game as opposed to the full $60 or $70 now. Um, I, think, I, I think I've put like 12 to 15 hours into it and I feel like I'm halfway there. It's a very controlled map of Baghdad, but um, I feel like it's paced really well. Like in Valhalla or Odyssey, I feel like when I was sprinting, I was the Flash. You know, like I could run for days, but with Basim, it feels like a little more controlled because the map's smaller. Um, I have a horse, but I never use it at all. Um, I, I would just rather kind of do the old school way of running across the rooftops to find my way to the next... Um, destination, essentially. And I like that they kept the raven, or not the raven, but the eagle in um, from the from the most recent Assassin's Creed games That so you can, like, kind of survey the area and see everything um, like, before you infiltrate a base, so that's kind of cool. And the leveling up is really basic and you can kind of earn skill points through just, you know, normal um, running through the story and completing missions, or you can do contracts that appear in the Assassin's Bureaus that uh, you have to kind of establish throughout the game. So there's a lot to do, and I think ultimately you can probably finish and platinum the game within 30 hours, if I had to take a guess, and that's that's good. That will hold my attention just long enough, but 
it's it's really kind of uh, creeping its way up there for my game of the year because it takes me back to the good old days of playing Assassin's Creed 1, 2, and Brotherhood. Um, it feels good. The parkour is not as fluid as it was on Unity, but it feels great. Like I feel like I'm truly having to work for my kills and my stealth now, and it, it, it feels like a lot of fun, man. I'm glad to be back at it. Hell yeah. One of the one of the things that like definitely um tur- I don't want to say turned me on but like kind of like put this one ever so slightly back on my radar is the fact that it wasn't like those old ones that it was kind of like a or sorry like those new ones and yeah. then it kind of went back to like the 1 2 and like I guess 3 to a lesser extent formula like that sure. c- kind of like old school one city Yep, and you go around and you're super stealthy. Like I really yeah, like that. And it, f- it feels nice, man. And the city's big enough to where it feels like there's a lot to do. And then there's I went to a different, uh, I like a district, I guess, that I had not yet been to today, and it was a vi- kind of a visual change, like how it used to be from going t- from like Acre to Damascus, like how it would visually change. It kind of did that here in Baghdad, like it went from a more orangey yellow deserty feel to more of like a more of a cyan tempered cooler environment i was like damn dude because there was a lot more water around too so it kind of gave me the old school vibe from from that as well like how they were able to kind of throw that little change in art direction in there i really liked it and it was very nostalgic of those uh glory days hell yeah dude this sounds rad i'm mm-hmm. in I don't know that I'm going to get to it, but uh, it's definitely something yeah. that I, I would like to if if all things are... You know. Yeah, even if not this year, definitely backlog it because I think you would enjoy it a lot more. Like, it's... Bassem's a, a pretty fun protagonist to play as and it's very streamlined and it feels reminiscent of those those games that you were talking about. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Sick nasty. Okay. Well... <sighs> I finished Lies of P. Three times. Three times. Yeah, I was about to say, how many times did you finish Lies of P? <laughs> I finished it the same amount of times that I finished Elden Ring. Ayo. Are you about to do a fourth one, though? Uh, I don't want to. because. Well, you no, I want to. You that last achievement, bro. Uh, yeah, I, I want to because it's so fucking good. Um, but I really need to turn my attention to... Uh, other stuff. Oh, Forza. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Lies P's my game of the year so far. Uh, I that's crazy. I don't man. really I did see. Not expect that. Me either, dude. <laughs> I I really I came into this year knowing that Final Fantasy was coming out, and I was positive. I was positive. That was it. That was over. It was game over. Like that. That was going to be my game of the year. Easy. Nothing was going to stand in his way, and instead, I've got this little Souls-like that, like, just... I I knew that I was going to like it when I saw the trailer, because it was like Pinocchio, and it looked like Bloodborne, and it was just, it had, you know, whatever, this this cool sort of, like, aesthetic around it. But I didn't know that I was going to like it this much. Um, what I said about it what two weeks ago three weeks ago i can't remember uh about how it basically stole everything from souls it did 
in the right way. In, in in all of the right ways. It feels it feels so much like a FromSoft game that I'm baffled that it's not. Like I I mean, I don't know how this studio was able to replicate the FromSoft magic so well because every other souls like I have ever played just really doesn't get it. They don't get what what FromSoft is able to do on like a fundamental level. They they try to yeah. add their own little twists to it that don't work. Like uh, Lords of the Fallen just came out. I haven't played it. I don't really have Dude, any. Dude, I'm so glad you said that because I'm seeing it advertised as like the the first next gen souls like experience and i'm like but lies of p came out and did it fucking better yeah yeah i i haven't i don't have anything against the new one i haven't played it so i don't know but I like either but there's no way it's as good as lies of p there's just there's not there's not <laughs> um but yeah like I, pl- I played that original one right and it kind of nailed a few of the things but it like didn't it didn't get everything right. And the new stuff that it tried to add just felt like tacked on stuff. And I kind of feel that way about every single one of the souls like that, that I have ever played. They just don't, they don't fucking get it. I, I I don't know. I don't know how else to express it other than that. They just don't understand what makes a souls game work. The guys over at, um, not NeoWiz. That was the publisher. Uh, is it 8-Bit Studio, I think? Or Round 8 Studio? Something like that. Um, those guys just fucking... They got it. And they they knew exactly what they were doing. And pff, they fucking did it. They made it fucking happen, dude. And all of the new stuff that they added is really fucking cool shit, dude. Like, I really loved the ability to kind of, like, take the weapons and change them to fit my playstyle. Like, when you when you go into a Souls game, you go in knowing, I'm going to do this, I need to get these weapons for my build type thing. This was like, do you know what you want to be? But you like this weapon? Okay, just switch up the handle on it and then add a little crank to it. And boom, now you've got something that you can use with your build and it's still viable. I really fucking loved that system. I really liked the sort of like, you have the standard souls like upgrade tree where like you're upgrading your your stats but there were like at least three that i could count well no i i guess you could count that as a third so at least three progression systems going on at any given time you have the leveling with your stats you have the pete organ stuff going on with your um your your heart which would which technically could be broken down into into two itself because it has like a a tree that you follow 
and you can pick what upgrades you want on each individual node. But then you can actually, the way that you pick those are additional upgrades. So you can like, um, if you know that like the first thing you want to get on this, on this part of the tree is something to give you extra, uh, pulse cells, which are like the, basically the SS flask of this game. So you go to that and then you fill in the two nodes that are there with additional things like stuff like you drop less uh, souls or ergo when you die or uh, one of them actually gives you more when you defeat an enemy or you have stuff like uh, you like you do extra damage when your health is low or uh, like you lose like there's all all kinds of different things that you can utilize. So there's like technically two different progression systems within that one system. And then you've got the stuff that are going on with your, uh, your, what the fuck's it called? Your little arm where you can have different, um, different abilities attached to that, which also have their own progression. And then you have the weapon system, like it was, it was so much fun to just kind of fool around with each one of these things that allow you to build out your character exactly how you want to build that character out. Um, I loved almost all of the boss fights here because, in a weird way, they feel different from souls and bloodborne bosses but also kind of the exact same like one of the things that i noticed and this is not necessarily how i play souls games but i noticed when i would watch you stream elden ring dylan i noticed that you would like learn you learned the patterns for the bosses and so you would know like okay this bo- this move right here dagger dagger roll yeah dagger dagger roll <laughs> exactly exactly so like I, I i learned the bosses for this game in that exact same way but the way that it's different is like i feel like the it's i, I don't want to say it's less random cuz that's not really true but it was more that like the stuff that was telegraphed it never changed. So, like, if you knew, like, this is the move that is coming, you always knew the the sort of, like, frame data for deflecting it. You knew exactly, like, okay, it takes this long to do this, and it's going to be telegraphed by this sort of, like, movement or what have you. And so I got to the point where I was not even necessarily having to utilize um like the little spirit uh thing that you can you can use to help you out i was going in and i was learning the pattern so much that like i was able to get in there and just like nail the deflections almost every fucking time for bosses yeah and that made me feel so fucking accomplished and just not not even like that i was good at the game it made me feel smart because I was like memorizing these fucking patterns and and knowing like knowing that I could take on something without the additional help 
made me feel like a fucking god. Yep. Um, That's that magic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved the story to this too. I really thought that the whole kind of like take on like on the lie, like the lying system was a little um, obtuse in a good way. Like obtuse in the way that like Dark Souls like quests and stuff are obtuse. I liked it though, because it allowed like different variations on your playthroughs and those were what affected your endings. And I really, really loved the stuff that it was doing where it was kind of like looking at what it means to be a human. Um, and I really, really, really dug, uh, kind of all three endings because they all kind of take different looks at different things. Uh, the bad ending, I, I won't ruin, but basically it's, it's a look at grief really. Um, because it, well, it, never mind. I, I don't want to get into it. The, the quote unquote, uh, like, uh, n- normal ending is kind of a look at, um, for lack of a better term, like what it means to, uh, be the creator of something and and how how you're supposed to deal with that and then the good ending uh the one that's my the one that's my favorite is kind of understanding that uh there's no escape from death (laughs) and and how you're supposed to kind of like i guess like live in the moment so to speak um, but also attached to that one is a secret ending that I am going to spoil because my dick is very hard for it. Uh, they're going to make a lies of P2 and it's going to be about the wizard of Oz and you're going to play as Dorothy and I'm fucking stoked for that shit. Um, I, Brad. I, I'm so fucking stoked for that, man. I, I love the wizard of Oz and I, I want to play as Dorothy fucking up like the robots and shit. <laughs> Um, that's so, like, so far out of left field that I would not right? have expected it. But now that I know it's coming, that like that sounds cool as fuck. Yeah, dude. I like, I. So the 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 little like secret ending thing comes, uh, and it's like an additional cutscene, and you hear this person talking, and they're going over basically kind of like everything that happened in Crot, like like a summarized version of it. And yep. then he said something about, yeah, and we need to find her, Dorothy. And I was like, uh, huh? Like, and I, like, I could feel my heart start to like, kind of like, I was like, oh, my, my interest has peaked. What, what? That's so cool, and dude. then it shows, uh, like a, it's like a, a tracking shot. Uh, going over Crot, like you can see, like the the skyline and stuff, and the red shoes, and then I was like, "Oh my god, are you fucking serious?" And then it does the 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 uh, heel taps, heel yeah. and I was like, "Fucking rock solid, ready to fucking go." I'll die for this game. Please make this game, guys. Please don't let this not happen. Um. 
And then at the end of your Dorothy game, the screen goes black, a giant smile appears across the screen, and then it says, all of that was a prequel for America McGee's Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be fucked? (laughs) That'd be crazy, but in a Souls-like manner. Oh, man, dude. That'd be fucking wild. Jesus Christ. Um... Yeah, this game fucking rules, man. I, I, it's my game of the year. Uh, I, I don't wild, even man. think that's it's so close. Awesome. I, I really yeah, haven't played yeah. another game this year that's 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 come close. Um, I have it downloaded. I just haven't gotten to it yet. You should. I definitely want to, but I, I'm scared it's going to be too hard. Uh, yeah, it's manageable. You played Elden Ring. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. Now, yeah, and they give you, like I said, they they give you the little helpers at each one of the, well, not every single boss. Yeah. But but the big key ones, the ones that are going to, like, whip your fucking ass over and over again, they give you the little helper. And then okay. uh, something that I did bring up on the last one, but, like, if you save your throwable weapons until the boss fights, you'll, you'll fucking breeze through the boss fights, dude. Those throwables are fucking wild would you so how would you compare the difficulty of lies of p to elden ring um like about the same easier harder yeah i would say probably about the same i i do think that there are bosses in here that are harder than than elden ring bosses um particularly the i think it's called the big green monster um, which Ooh. is near the end of the game. It's in the swamp area. Uh, that one is a fucking nightmare. It is a pain in the ass. Um, but I think that they're all mostly on par uh, to, to easier than Elden Ring, if I'm being honest. Uh, because, you, like I said, you do have, you do have the, the summon. And also, their, their attacks are really really well telegraphed so you know what's coming almost every single time and is as long as you can like get to where you understand when you're supposed to block the game's a fucking i mean i don't want to say it's it's easy but like once you get that timing down on things you won't have an issue gee all right well all right i'm i'm stoked I think you should play it, and if you don't, that's okay too. Um, I think you should play Forza. That's what I've been playing. <laughs> Bruh, <laughs> I have that downloaded too. Yeah. Fuck um, this it's year, very man. Much... Fuck this year. Huh? Yeah, yeah it's it's a lot, dude. Machine. It's just one after the other, especially this month, actually. Um, but I downloaded Forza this past week, and. It's very much track-based racer, but I haven't played a Forza track-based racer since uh, 5. And even then, 5 was just kind of flash in the pan. Like, it was gone by the time I started playing it. Like, I just didn't really put a lot of time into it. The the last one that I truly spent probably close to 100 hours on was Motorsport 3. Um, So this was new to me after a long time. And for me, growing up, racing games were huge. Like, I played a ton of racing games growing up, whether it be, like, uh, Rush on N64, 
or specifically more like this one, like uh, Gran Turismo um, 1 and 2, Gran Turismo 3. Like, I grew up with those a lot um, just as because my dad loved playing them, so I would always play them, and that's just why I love Forza Motorsport 2 and 3 so much. Like, that's just, it's fun to me. Um, so getting to pick this up for the first time in a long time in terms of a track-based racer, I was excited and going into it, man, it has been everything that I hoped it would be. It's, it's a fun and unique experience that takes some of my favorite things from the Horizon series, which is like leveling up cars and stuff. You don't get perks or anything like you do in Forza Horizon, but you do get additional car parts that you can level up um, that vehicle with. Um, and it's like, you can, you can do different series and the, or like different cups, I should say, and they're all like different performance bases. So my very first, uh, series I did was with a Subaru Impreza, I believe it was, a some kind of STI, um, and it handled so well. And I love, um, I love those cars to begin with. So it was super cool to like hear that how different it sounded from the other cars around me um the the track itself was super beautiful man like they have so much detail in this game and i finished up my first series my little introduction series and i went to my next series which wound up using uh a ford focus for that so i i down downscaled a little bit in terms of performance but it wasn't too bad and just continuing to play through these series man i've seen nothing but beautiful track after beautiful track like like especially like a maple valley just seeing some of those colors along the side of the road and like the different weathers that can roll in like i went from a light rain to a heavy rain to no rain at all in the course of one uh one race because some of them can take a little while and it was crazy to see the, that weather kind of roll in and the 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 water drops flying across the screen and stuff but um it, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun, man. And then after the second series I did with the with the Ford Focus, I got to finally step up to a Porsche. And I'm telling you, the the feeling of control difference between the the Ford Focus and the Porsche was crazy. Like it genuinely felt like I was playing a different game almost. Like it was just a lot of fun. Um, the car felt the car felt unique, and that's what I'm excited to keep doing. Like I'm I'm racing around tracks. I'm leveling cars up. I'm trying different designs. I'm, you know, uploading different builds and stuff and downloading uh, different uh, designs and stuff for my cars. And I'm just playing Forza. Like, that's what this is all about. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. Hell yeah, dude. So, um, one thing that I saw uh, people mentioning online was um, that you kind of are more or less forced into doing like one car as opposed to like getting a whole collection of cars is that is that kind of yeah accurate? it feels more like that so between each so every time you start up a series you can buy a new car essentially and once you buy that new car you level it up and you continue to upgrade it through the series and you could back out to buy another car if you want to but what's the point when you're already three races into a six race series using this car and you already have all these upgrades for it. So yeah, it does feel more like the cars that you pick are, they're more, uh, 
they're they're more deliberate because you're probably going to be using them for a while type of thing. Like it feels like you're invested. It kind of feels like you're leveling up a Pokemon. I'm not gonna lie. Mm, okay. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's cool. I uh, I I didn't necessarily think that that would be a negative, but uh, I figured I would ask. I mean, it's not to me because I like investing in the cars that I. Like, I think that the achievements in the game are even, like, you know, get 10 cars to level 50 or something like that. Mm. So there's there's definitely... T- you're meant to put time into building these cars, I think. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to ask? I was going to ask you something else. Do you... Okay, how accessible is the... Um, the sort of like racing, uh, like I could, the reason, Oh my God, you're going to love it. Okay. The, the thing I like about the horizon series is that it's, it feels more arcadey. I don't feel like I have to be as precise with what I'm doing in turn, in terms of like slowing down to take corners and stuff like that. Like I can take them at my, I don't want to say at my own speed, but like I can, I don't have so to be in, as precise. So in that regard, I think there is a little more preci- precision involved. But in terms of like, are the racers going to be up your ass, making it harder? That's completely up to you. Okay. You can you can scale Drivatars on a level-based system of 1 through 10. I'm currently racing with them on a 4 just because I feel like that's enough of a challenge. And I am not pissed off by the end of the race. Um, and you can like you can scale the difficulty to how you want it. And oh man, in that regard, I think you might not like it as much because yet yeah, it takes that arcadiness away a little bit, because if you go too far off the track, you'll be hit with like a lap based penalty for it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it wants you to be precise, but you can set it up to where you're not going to be pissed off because you have your 10 cars back in a 24 car race and you're on lap four or five, like, because you're having to be precise, you can slide that slider all the way down and just have fun with it. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the reasons that I've never been as big of a fan of the, uh, motorsport series. I just, I I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I find it hard. It's more so that I just, I find it, um, uh, so you have to be very refined, whereas mm-hmm. Horizon is very. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you can slam into motherfuckers and just be like, literally. <laughs> that's just a part of the race. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Um, it'll be something I'll probably talk about next week. Um. Okay. The other game that I've been playing is Sea of Stars. Um, this is another one that I think I talked about a little bit la- last time we recorded. Um, sea of Stars was another one that I was pretty sure was going to be like a, uh, a very strong contender for my game of the year. And I, th- I think that out of everything, like looking at the list, I think that it is near the top. But uh, it just is not grabbing me quite the way that I thought that it would. Um, it's still very good. Uh, like I'm still really, really having a very good time with it, but the, the problem I feel like I'm having with this is that I don't know that it's necessarily doing anything 
all that original, which is kind of interesting given uh, Sabotage Studio, uh, the game that they did before, which was The Messenger. Um, that game feels in so many ways fresh and different while also still feeling like it is very old school, if that makes sense. Like, it understands that it is based on, like, Ninja Gaiden and, um, uh, like, other other games um, from that area. Ninja Scroll, I think, is, is another one. But, like... Um, it's that it's that side scrolling kind of like action platforming sort of thing and it nails those sorts of like um i guess game design but also kind of feels like it's a like a metroidvania in some ways and like it it just has a lot going on for it with the writing like it feels very self-aware and is very like funny and i i just kind of feel like this game sea of stars is missing that i do think that the the um the combat system in this is fucking rad um so basically you have like the standard uh, turn-based com- combat, and you have the option to like attack, use your magic, or use your items or whatever. But the magic attacks can actually be combined with one another. Like there's, uh, I forget what they call it, but there's like the the kind of like moon attack, and there's the kind of like sun attack, and you can actually use the two of them together using a combo system. And there's also a, um, uh, like a way to add in extra damage and extra attacks. If you time your, uh, what's the word? Like there's a button press that you can do, um, that will allow you to do extra damage or, or get in an extra attack in. And if you time it right, then that thing happens. Um, so, there, so there's that. And then there's also um, a system where you can actually kind of like... Uh, I've, I don't really know how to explain it, but basically when you, when you just hit a standard attack, the enemies will drop this sort of like... Um, uh, currency, I guess is the way to put it. And you can leave that just kind of like lying on the ground and then you can power up using that. So that then your next attack will be ultra powerful. And there's just a lot of like really interesting ways to go about battles. It's very tactical. It's very like, um, it, it takes a lot of, like, I, I feel like thought. And it makes it fun to play. When you're going into battle and you're doing all these things, it's very, very fun. Um, I also really like the progression system 
each time that you level up, you get your standard uh, bonuses or like uh, your standard like statistical upgrades. But then there's also a way that you can shape your character by um, once your stats have been upgraded, they give you the option to do an additional stat bonus for each level. And those are kind of randomized, but like it allows you to build the character to your specs. So, so far I've been building my, um, what is her name? Uh, Valer. I've been building her to be like this ultra high damage or well, not ultra high damage, but like I, I'm basically more or less building her to be like a tank. Like, I want her to be fully loaded with HP. I want her to be able to do like a pretty decent amount of damage and just want her to be able to eat every attack that can come at her. And then I've been building my um, uh, Zale. Yeah, that's his name, Zale. I've been building him to more or less be like this ultra hardcore damage dealer. His health is not as as big but like whenever he hits you with a spell he's going to eviscerate you um and like i i like the way that it's allowing me to do that um sometimes the the little bonus stats that you'll get won't necessarily correlate to what you're doing so you'll have to find a a different stat to put them in so like i've been putting a lot of stuff into defense if it doesn't pop up um, for, uh, like an attack or something like that. But, uh, anyway, like it, it's a cool way to kind of, um, allow you to have character customization without giving you like a ton of control over your characters. Cause they are trying to have you tell the story that they're trying to tell, you know? Um, it's very much a modernized, JRPG with regards to its visual style and the environments and all of that stuff. And I think that that fucking rules. It's very much inspired by Chrono Trigger and that's written all over the place. Like it is plain as day that this is like that these guys loved Chrono Trigger and they wanted to make a game inspired by Chrono Trigger. Um, I love the music. I really, really like the cutscenes. Um, they're like these little animated cutscenes. They have been kind of few and far in between, but when they happen, I'm just like, oh, this is gorgeous. Like, this is really, like, really, really pretty. Um, yeah, I, I really like this game. I just feel like there's something that is missing something that either I'm not getting like I, like I can't wrap my head around it or something that like the game doesn't have in it because this is a game that I feel like should be right up my fucking alley. And I really should be like really fucking horny for it. And I'm just not, um, I still really, really like it. I really still think that it'll go high for me in our game of the year discussion, but um, yeah, it's missing something, which is which is sad. Well, that is sad, but it makes me 
feel better about not getting to it as quickly as I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Because it was definitely on the list, but... I think that you would like it in the same way that you like Pokemon games a little bit. Um, with <coughs> Yeah, that makes sense. With with how to how to be tactical with your with the turn based combat and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think this this would definitely be more of a um, me and Austin type game. So. Got you. Yeah. Uh. Cool. Well, let's get to That's it. our picks of the week, and we can get out of here. Um, my pick of the week for this week is um, a video called Why Are Modern Blockbusters So Not Very Good? Uh, this is from the channel Some More News. And it kind of goes over, uh, like, basically everything that... I feel like I've been saying for like years now about how modern blockbusters are starting to fail spectacularly. And it goes in depth on uh, like why that is kind of in a similar way. I, I don't remember if I actually um, put this as a pick of the week or not, but there was a video by Patrick Willems, Talk, uh, talking about the death of cinema and what killed cinema. And this kind of piggybacks off that in some ways. It's talking about why uh, blockbusters just aren't the same as they used to be and what all of the causes are behind that. Um, some More News is a political show, so this very much has like a political bent to it. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good video. Very informative. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. So go check that out. All right. Is Austin back um, yet? I don't think so. Okay. My pick of the week is a song, a cover by the band Rising Insane. Uh, it's a cover of Blinding Lights from The Weeknd. It is pretty fun. It's a metal cover. I didn't think I would like anyone covering Blinding Lights, but this one does pretty good. If, if, you, if you're into metal. Um, it came on my Discover Weekly this week, and I had a lot of fun with it. It's been kind of on a little bit of a rotation. So if you're into that kind of thing, you like the original song, check it out. Hell yeah. Um, Austin gets no pick of the week. Austin gets no pick of the week. Uh, his is Rise Against Endgame. <laughs> Holy shit, my bad. I didn't realize you guys were going to get there that fucking quick. Um, are we on picks of the week? That's what I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, my pick of the week is an album called <laughs> Endgame by Rise Against. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I listened to this album for the very first time when I was a freshman in high school. Um, I accidentally bought it. Well, not accidentally. I just happened to uh, go to Best Buy the day this album was released, and I was looking... I, I, had never I had listened to Rise Against before, but like not to where I really knew who they were, and I was just looking for something new, and so I bought that album and took it home, and I fell absolutely fucking in love with it. Um, uh, two of my favorite tracks off the album are "Help Is on the Way," which is uh, halfway about uh, Hurricane Katrina and how our government did nothing to fucking help those people, 
and about the uh, I don't remember what what the name of it was, but that big oil rig explosion that was in like 2010 or 2011 that our government again did nothing to fucking help those people. Um, and then uh, make it stop, which is basically about um the map the massive epidemic of uh queer kids being assaulted just for being queer to the point where they commit suicide uh and how we should all stop doing that and it's a really really lovely album heck yeah i used to listen to rise against i love rise against i don't know why i didn't or why i stopped but madison doesn't like them she feels like she likes to i she like puts them in in the same category of like nickelback and i'm like i don't that's weird i don't think that so. is very weird right no, i agree weird. that's not it, it's not even the same thing but whatever yeah i remember the song uh not, i just turned it on and i remember help is on the way i used to fucking jam out to that song i love help is on the way dude that song is so good good shit man okay um alright well yeah uh, as always you can find me on social media for all things culture bop hunting pigs and the culture bop family content uh culture bop on instagram at culture underscore bop on youtube at youtube.com slash c slash culture bop and you can find me on twitter at the bebop man 182 and on instagram at bebop man 182 uh Lastly, if you like what we're doing, if you want to help us, if you want to send help on the way, um, <laughs> that was <laughs> terrible. You tried. I tried, Got yeah. A little too hard. Um, go to patreon.com slash culturebop. Toss us a pledge. Got some awesome stuff going on over there. And uh, yeah, so do that. And help us keep the lights on. Um, that's it. That's it. We did it. We, we done did do done did it. I had a stroke trying to say that. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Uh, and until next time, goodbye.